Hello and welcome to Dedicated Packers, the podcast where we do cover the Green Bay Packers. So we don't for anything else. Let's go. All right, hello and welcome back to Dedicated Packers. It is the Divisional Round Recap episode, and the Packers lost to the San Francisco 49ers 24-21. to Man, this was a tough one. Before we talk uh, about the game, and we're going to do that, trust me, I do want to clear up a, an audio situation. Somehow, I managed to break my microphone, so don't currently have a working microphone on hand. I tried going back to the old one. That one wasn't working either. So we're just going to have to, I'm going to have to purchase a new microphone. That's going to happen. Until then, you're going to have to deal with this audio quality. So that's what we have. Regardless, we're talking about the Packers 49ers game, which the Packers lost in pretty devastating fashion. Um, before the game, they elevated linebacker Keyshawn Banks to replace Enoch Bari, who obviously couldn't play with his presumably at this point torn ACL. They kept him, Keyshawn Banks, active and had Brenton Cox Jr. be inactive. It's an interesting move on their part. Uh, they're both undrafted rookies, so it's not an experience factor. I guess you could say either Keyshawn Banks is in their mind more polished, more game ready than Brenton Cox Jr., or you could say Keyshawn Banks is bigger than Brenton Cox Jr., and maybe they were looking to have a bigger front. Either way, that's what you got. Keyshawn Banks being active, Brenton Cox Jr. inactive. That was pretty much what you had before the game. But they also signed punter Pat O'Donnell. You may remember him from last year to the practice squad. I guess they did this in case Whelan couldn't go because he was sick last time we talked, but they didn't end up elevating O'Donnell. Whelan was good to go. So Whelan was active. Other guys who were active, who were questionable going in, Isaiah McDuffie, active. Jair Alexander, active and A.J. Dillon, inactive. So, let's talk about the game. A quick summary. The first half, it should have been better for the Packers. It ended with San Francisco having a 7-6 to six lead. There were definitely a couple of ugly possessions in there for, for Green Bay's defense, um, but in the end, they ultimately only gave up one score, which was a touchdown, on one drive on three possessions. Green Bay's offense... I mean, they were controlling the ball very, very well, moving it very, very easily between the 20s, but they just stalled out in the red zone three times, and that led to two field goals and one turnover on down. So it was a first half that wasn't satisfying, but it could have been worse. The second half was up and down. The offense put up some big scores. The defense had some nice stops. Ultimately, however, both sides did enough not to lose the game. I wouldn't say either side lost that football game but neither did enough to win the football game, to take control and ensure the game was won. Both sides left the door open a crack for the San Francisco 49ers, and they took that crack. The number one seed in the NFL, unsurprisingly, took that crack and slammed the door wide-ass open, marched through the door, and ultimately won the game 24-21. to So let's talk, let's talk about everything we usually talk about. I don't really have any notable plays. I think we'll talk about plenty of plays in my offensive and defensive notes. I do want to get this whole referee situation out of the way. 
This was a god-awful game from the, from the refs. It started with them having a god-awful spot on the fourth and one QB sneak from Jordan Love. So, well, actually, first of all, it started, so the Packers on their second drive, up 3-0, had the ball well inside San Francisco's red zone. First, they run a handoff to Aaron Jones on third and one. Aaron Jones gets stopped short. He was short, but the spot wasn't good. Then Packers go hurry up, run a QB sneak with Jordan Love. In my mind, he pretty clearly gets that first down. Now, it's close. Of course, it's close. But in my mind, he gets the first down. However, they didn't think so. An awful spot there. And the Packers turned the ball over on downs. They also then turned around and did not call a clear intentional grounding call on Brock Purdy where he was in the tackle box, decided to huck the ball way out of bounds, nowhere near a receiver, and yet they didn't call it, and the Niners ended up scoring a touchdown on that drive. In the second half, things were just as bad. They had a god-awful spot on Jordan's next quarterback sneak, but ultimately they overturned it. However, it took a Matt LaFleur challenge to overturn that call. They missed, just a couple plays later, a face mask on Aaron Jones. It was a bad game from the refs. That being said, that is not the reason that the Green Bay Packers lost this game. It is not the referee's fault in any way, and yeah, it was bad from them, but the Packers had plenty of chances to win this game. Real quick, notable players in this game, honestly, I just have one, and that is Eric Wilson, and I mean, partially Eric Wilson is here because I didn't have anyone else to put here, but also... I just want to shout out Eric Wilson. I like how he's filled in at the linebacker spot where he hasn't, you know, necessarily been a starting linebacker at all in his career in the NFL, but he's filled in relatively nicely. And then in this game specifically, what put him on this list for me was he had a massive fumble recovery on a Keyshawn Nixon return. I'm a big Eric Wilson fan. So shout out to him, right? Injuries. Last thing I want to talk about before we actually get into the game there were some some big injuries in this game. Tucker Craft, he was the first one. He jogged off after taking a massive hit to the head, tended to buy some trainers, and then came back to the game just a couple of plays later. Seems like he's okay. Not that it matters too much, though, because the season is over. Zach Tom, this was really the big injury um, because he was medically removed from a game. It took a medical timeout where likely a spotter removed him from the game because they saw something. And what they saw... I guess was right because he ended up being ruled out for the rest of the of the game with a concussion. This was a this was a very very tough blow. I think it happened in the third quarter and it's very very tough when you're not all pro but I mean definitely pro bowl caliber right tackle goes out for the game in which you're already struggling to block the Niners defensive front. So that was a big injury there. There were some other smaller injuries. Cray Walker jogged to the locker room, but that turned out just to be a cramp. Rashid Walker went into the medical tent, but then didn't end up missing a snap. And Jair Alexander seemed like he hurt his left ankle again, but then pretty quickly returned to the game. I think he missed one snap, but it looked like he wanted to go right back in there. He jogged to the sideline before the play and then before the, the snap had even been taken, he wanted to go back in there. So seems like everyone's okay. And Zach Tom with a concussion again, Nothing really to worry about for next week because the Green Bay Packers won't be playing next week. All right, let's jump into my notes for this game. My offensive notes, we're going to start with the negatives. And I mean, that's probably where where we're going to focus in this game because the reality is 
they lost this football game and their season is now over and we're going to have all off season to talk about the positives. But this was a game with a lot of negatives. And the first negative, my offensive note, my first offensive note, they, they missed too many opportunities. This was an underdog team doing what you cannot do as an underdog team throughout the game. And it started early on where they blew multiple opportunities to put up points They didn't put up points, and it cost them. We can talk about the Savage dropped probably pick six, but that was a a defensive play. There were plenty of offensive missed opportunities, too. One of the most glaring, the first turnover on downs in the red zone. Their second offensive drive, up 3-0, in a position to go up 10-0, get a real stranglehold on the Niners. Nope. This This was really egregious. So, we talked about the poor spot by the refs. Jordan, I think he had the first down. I wasn't a big fan of the play calling from Matt LaFleur either. I think that third down play call to run a handoff from the gun is bad. I don't like that. And then to go hurry up and run a QB sneak and not get it. I don't like that either. To be fair, I do think there's a lot of hindsight playing into this because if he had converted on that first third down run, I wouldn't be saying much. And If they'd converted on that fourth down QB sneak, I'd be applauding Matt for going hurry up, getting a personnel matchup that he liked and taking advantage of it with the QB sneak. But honestly, the biggest reason they failed in the red zone was they just got mauled up front on that turnover on downs on back to back plays. Because if you can't gain more than a yard and a half on the ground on two plays, You just got beat up. That is the reality of the situation. The Packers got beat up on those two plays, and that's the biggest reason they turned the ball over. They couldn't get enough push to get Aaron Jones a first down on third down. They couldn't get enough push to make the call obvious enough that the refs couldn't screw it up on that QB sneak. And the result is you 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 put the decision in the refs' hands. They're gonna make a dumb decision and it was a turning, well, I'm not going to say it was a turning point because it was so early in the game, but it was a a potential turning point for Green Bay, honestly, that they just missed there. That wasn't it, though. They also had two field goals instead of touchdowns in the first half. They had three drives in the first half. The first one was a turn, or the first, the second one was a turnover on downs in the red zone. The first one and the third one, field goals instead of touchdowns. On their first drive, they failed in the red zone. And it was in part because of running plays. To me, honestly, and it's crazy to say this, but I think it's true, especially when we look at this game, the ultimate difference between the Green Bay Packers and the San Francisco 49ers might have been San Francisco's defensive front against the Packers' offensive line. Because I I think, in the end, what really got exposed for them in those first two of three red zone possessions, actually all three of them, because you can put this deficiency in the turnover on downs drive too. The Green Bay Packers interior offensive line could not beat the San Francisco 49ers defensive front when it mattered and when the field got condensed. Because when the field wasn't condensed, the Packers were ripping off runs with ease. Aaron Jones looked awesome tonight. Aaron Jones looks so freaking awesome. So awesome. But you condense the field, the Niners are able to not have to worry about getting beat 50 yards downfield because there's only 15 yards to go to the end zone. The field gets condensed, and Green Bay could not run the ball, especially early on. And I think that was 
maybe the biggest difference between these two teams. San Francisco could run the ball at every level of... Actually, they couldn't even run the ball super impressively between the 20s, but they got into the red zone and they were running the ball. That last touchdown they scored, a run to Christian McCaffrey. The Green Bay Packers couldn't run the ball in the red zone and it cost them. It cost them on every single drive in the first half, cost them on the turnover on downs, and it cost them when they got two field goals instead of two touchdowns. Another missed opportunity was the miss to Aaron Jones, where the Packers had to punt for their first time in that entire game. I want to say their single punt in that game, where Jordan Love missed Aaron Jones. My guess is that they weren't on the same page. Jordan thought Aaron Jones was going to sit down. So what happened, it was third down, third and short in their own territory, third and two, I think. Jordan Love kind of rolled out to his left, to his right, could have run the ball. I'm pretty sure he could have run the ball. Should have run the ball, clearly. Aaron Jones was streaking underneath. I think Jordan thought Aaron was going to sit down in a zone. Aaron didn't sit down. Jordan ended up throwing it behind him because he thought Aaron was going to sit down. And then they had to punt. It is those little things, but it's those little things building up throughout this game that ended up costing them. And then the last thing is the Anders Carlson missed field goal. I know that this is technically a special teams missed opportunity, but this is a Green Bay Packers missed opportunities note in general. It's not just offensive. It is really about the Green Bay Packers missing opportunities. And the Packers have lived and died by their young guys all season. And for the most part, they lived. They survived. Honestly, they thrived. But this time they died, and that is no better. There's no better example of that than the Anders Carlson missed field goal where the offense goes down, has it rips off an incredible run to Aaron Jones, and it just it just isn't enough because Anders Carlson can't punch in the field goal from, from 41 yards. I guess this is the appropriate time to have the Anders Carlson discussion. I didn't put him in my notable players, felt too mean. Anders Carlson is not going to get cut. The Packers... You could call it a fault. I would probably lean that way, though. You could definitely argue it's not a fault when you look at how guys like Rasheed Walker have improved over the season. But people say that the Packers are too loyal to a fault. To Anders Carlson, were they too loyal this season? I don't know. Matt LaFleur said in his post game, you know, if uh, regarding Anders Carlson, he said if we had an answer, we would have fixed it. So I think the Packers were very aware that there was a chance that Anders Carlson would cost them a game this season. I said, actually, I don't remember which episode I said it in, but before the season started, I said there would definitely be a game where Anders Carlson cost the Green Bay Packers. Unfortunately, I it ended up being the divisional round in the NFL playoffs. I didn't expect that to happen. Either way, he's a rookie kicker. He screwed up a lot this season. He's not going to be cut. They're going to give him every single opportunity to come back and do better. And that is not a problem in my mind. That being said, I think they will, and they 100% should, bring in a bunch of competition for him. He should not be given the kicker job because he has not shown enough for me to want to put any sort of faith in him for next year. And I think this year... I'm not going to kill Goody for it. I'm not going to kill Goody for riding with Anders Carlson the whole way through, not signing Mason Crosby and giving him a chance in the playoffs. I'm not going to kill Goody for that. But next year, if Anders Carlson costs the Packers in the playoffs again, I'm going to be riding Goody for days, for months, probably for years to come, because that would be unacceptable. So that's where I'm at with Anders Carlson. I'm not ready to give up on him, but... 
he better he better have some competition to come in. All right, let's talk about my, about my second offensive note. It's just that there there wasn't quite enough. The offense did not do enough to take hold and control and win this football game. And there were some real positives from the offense against a really, really good San Francisco 49ers defense. And I said, all game, this 49ers defense plays with a different speed. They were playing with a different speed throughout this game. And the Packers offense was able to have some success against that defense playing at a different speed. I thought Aaron Jones looked awesome ridiculously awesome throughout this game. There were some really nice runs, partly because of him, but also partly because guys on the offensive line were doing work up front. There were some plays where the offensive line blocked nicely. I thought the receivers had some very nice plays. Bo Melton obviously had the touchdown. Tucker Kraft had some nice plays. Jaden Reed had a big, big catch in there. Christian Watson had a nice little catch and run. And I thought Jordan had some awesome plays too. He had the incredible throw to Romeo Dobbs on the sideline earlier in the game. He had the touchdown pass to Melton. He also had a lot of plays where the offensive line wasn't able to block things up very very well, and the Niners had a bunch of defenders bearing down on him, and he stuck in the pocket, hung in there, and made big-time throws while getting absolutely smoked. I thought Jordan played a—I'm not going to say a, a great game. I'm not even going to say a good game, but a pretty nice game. But this kind of all comes back to what this offensive note is about— pretty nice, which was what the offense was in this game, because they only punted once, if I remember correctly. Their drives went field goal, where they got to well into San Francisco territory, turnover on downs, where they got well into San Francisco territory, field goal, where they got well into San Francisco territory, end of half, we can discard that, touchdown, where they obviously got well into San Francisco territory, touchdown, where they were given the ball well into San Francisco territory, but they scored points, And then they went interception, punt, missed field goal, where they got in San Francisco territory, and interception. It's those three drives where they weren't able to capitalize. But other than that, they played a pretty nice game. They just didn't do enough to ultimately come away with the win. And that that is what we saw from the offense in this game. I think Jordan sort of reflected that, right? He had a couple of tough throws that ultimately ended up costing them. In each of those drives, you look at each of those drives, the first interception, then the punt, and then the last interception, every single one of those drives, ultimately it was Jordan and maybe someone else that ended up screwing up so that they couldn't take control of this game. It was the failed conversion to Aaron Jones where they had to punt, the missed check down to Tucker Craft, which resulted in an interception, and then finally the awful throw to end the game. I thought the offense did enough not to lose this game, and there was nice stuff from every single person out there, but there was not enough from anyone out there to take control and win this football game, and this is the result. I I said, going into the game, the offense is going to have to play a phenomenal game. The defense played better than I expected, but the offense still needed to play very well and ultimately take control of the game at the end. They didn't, and this is what you get. All right, let's move on to my defensive notes. The first one, they didn't capitalize. They were given so many opportunities to make plays on the football, and they did not capitalize. There were there are two very obvious ones. The first one was the Darnell Savage drop pick six. I think it was the first 49ers drive of the game. Brock Purdy doesn't see Darnell Savage, makes a great read, comes up, and the ball just goes right off his chest. And what happens? What happens exactly following that drop pick six? The defense gets a three and out, which is nice, but then the Packers get the ball, and they get their turnover on downs. They can't score a touchdown. Drop pick six costs the Packers. Then, much later in the game, I want to say end of the third quarter, early fourth, Keyshawn Nixon drops 
an interception, and the following drive, Jordan Love is picked off. Those are the difference. Those plays are the difference in these kind of playoff games. You have to capitalize on other teams' mistakes. The 49ers did, right? Most notably with that Dre Greenlaw pick six. Tucker Craft tips that ball up in the air. It's anyone's ball. Dre Greenlaw takes it. Makes it, I mean, I'm not going to say a relatively nice catch because the ball's moving probably three miles per hour, but makes a play on the ball, grabs the ball, essentially scoops it up off the ground before it touches the ground, but you know what I'm saying. And the 49ers go on to win this football game. You have to capitalize. Brock Purdy had so many throws, so many throws that I'm not going to say all of them should have been interceptions, but a lot of them should have, should have been interceptions. If the Packers capitalize on half of the throws that they could have capitalized on, they have four or five interceptions in this football game. That's, that is just the reality. That is how Brock Purdy played, but the Packers didn't capitalize. Jordan Love, he had two, maybe three really bad throws. I would say two really bad throws. It's the, it's the check down to Kraft and the, and the one at the end of the game. The 49ers got picks on both of those. Football's a bitch sometimes, but you got to take that into account. And the Packers defense, they weren't able to capitalize today. My second defensive note, they did they created some havoc, okay? Purdy was off today, as off today as I've ever seen him in probably the, the two, well, I guess, what's it been? One and a half years that he's played in the NFL. And he was off not just because of the rain, though the rain definitely played a factor, but a lot because he was getting pressured from this defense and the defense was doing things to create havoc. I thought the front played really, really well in the past game. There were a lot of good plays from really every single guy up front. Rashawn Gary looked probably the most active he has in a long time. I thought Preston Smith was disruptive. I thought all of the guys in the interior, Kenny Clark, Devontae Wyatt, TJ Slayton, Carl Brooks, I thought all of those guys were disruptive. And then in the run game, I thought the run defense looked very, very, very good considering how good San Francisco's run game is. And quietly, this Packers run defense has looked awesome since, hell, the Lions game back in in week 12. I mean, this Packers run defense has looked awesome for almost half of a season now, and I thought they really continued that in this game, and I think that is a massive positive going into next year, and I do think it's something that they can build off of, something that hasn't been talked about enough. I thought the run game looked awesome in this game, and I think the secondary played well too, as we want to talk about creating disruption. I like the plan. I thought they were aggressive. I thought, for the most part, guys were covering well. Now, there were points where Joe Barry got soft, He got soft at the end of the game in at the end of the fourth quarter and at the end of the second quarter. And that ultimately, I think, was a massive part in them losing this football game and in them collapsing at the end of both of those quarters. That being said, I thought there was also a lot of good stuff going on. I mentioned how they were pressing. I mentioned how guys were covering well. And I thought there was a play that they highlighted on the broadcast which was an incomplete pass to George Kittle, where McDuffie just kind of nudged Kittle, just knocked him a little bit, but it totally throws off the route timing, and it led to an incomplete pass. I thought the secondary, for the most part, created a lot of havoc, and I thought the defense, for the most part, looked good. That being said, they made mistakes at the worst of times. They didn't tackle well enough, oftentimes at the worst of times. A couple missed tackles on receivers, especially Devondre Campbell. He is... He is not the guy, and I I would be surprised at this point if if Devondre Campbell's back next season. I also thought, I mean, obviously there was a big 
touchdown run from CMC where Donnell Savage missed a tackle. I thought there were other plays where CMC was in the open field and they couldn't bring him down. But I think most notably, the coverage was just not good enough at the worst of times. And San Francisco has awesome, awesome skill players. That's fine. That's true. I get that. But there were too many plays where it was third and nine, third and 10, which is exactly the position you want to be in with the San Francisco 49ers. Cause that is Brock Purdy has to go make a play territory and Brock Purdy made plays to a degree, but also the Packers defense didn't make plays. They gave up too many conversions on third and nine. There was that one, this was right after the Packers go down and they scored the Bo Melton touchdown. They go out, they force the Niners into third and six. And on third and six, Darnell Savage gets cooked off the line by George Kittle. He tries to pass off the route to a single player in the middle of the field to Jonathan Owens. And Kittle, I mean, just runs right by him. Owens had no shot. Kittle picks up a massive gain. And then a couple plays after that, Christian McCaffrey, maybe it was one play after that. Regardless, Christian McCaffrey rips off a massive touchdown run. The Packers had too many mistakes at the worst of times. And I think that is most notably seen in, I guess, probably the end of game drive where they gave up the the go-ahead touchdown for the San Francisco 49ers, ultimately the game-winning touchdown for the San Francisco 49ers. Do I think Joe Barry's back? We'll have time to talk about it. Matt said when asked, you know, what he thought about the defense today, he said, I thought it was fantastic. That's a, that's, I mean, okay, Matt, you could say I thought it was good. To say it was fantastic is far-fetched, but whatever. If I had to guess right now, I'd say Joe Barry's not back. The only reason is that the, I'm pretty sure Joe Barry's contract is going to expire after this season, which means that the Packers don't technically have to fire Joe Barry. They just aren't going to renew his contract. And I do think that plays a role because I'm not sure you can say with the way this defense came on at the end of the year that it is fair to fire Joe Barry. I, I mean, I think you can say that, but I'm not sure Matt will believe that he can say that. But I do think with what Joe Barry's given you over the past three seasons on defense, you can say it is not good enough for us to renew his contract. And so, yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens in the end. I, I guess he's not back, but it's a, it's a coin flip for me. And, and we'll just have to see what happens. That's what I have on the offense and the defense. I mean, it's kind of this theme all around and from this team. They just weren't good enough. Neither side was awful, but neither side was good enough. And that costs them. And that's going to cost you against the best team in the NFL. Maybe the second best after the way Baltimore played today. But it's going to cost you against the top two team in the NFL. And it did cost them. And it sucks. All right, let's go to my players to watch. My first player to watch, Aaron Jones. This is a win for me. He played very well. Had over 100 yards on the ground. Again, fifth straight game. He is so good. So good. And that'll move me to 14 and 23. My second player to watch, Quay Walker. Honestly, you want my honest thoughts? Whatever. I haven't gone back. I haven't watched the game. This is, these are pretty raw reactions from me. Honestly, I may very well not go back and watch the game. Or when I go back and watch the game, we're going to be three, two, two, three, four weeks removed from, from today. Because I'm not sure I have the stomach for it anytime soon. So I'm not going to give myself a win or a loss here with Quay Walker. It wouldn't be in the spirit of this segment because I didn't go back. I didn't actually watch how he played. So just going to forget about this one. I'll end the season 14 and 23. That'll make my success rate on the season in terms of successfully picking a player to watch 37.8.
So I pick a successful player to watch 37.8% of the time. For reference, I went 12 and 20 last season, which is 37.5%. So an, an improvement of 0.3% by me from this year to last. And no, for those of you wondering, I didn't just choose not to give myself a win or a loss with Quay Walker here because I knew that if I, that if I gave myself a loss, my percentage would drop below 37.8. No, that is not why I'm doing this. <clears throat> is it maybe um no whatever those are the those are the percentages for reference so slight improvement from me there yeah that'll uh take me to i guess the end of this episode um my final thoughts in the end we have an entire off season to talk about this past season actually that's not true we have half an offense uh, an off season to talk about this past season we have another half to talk about the upcoming season ultimately the season was a, a massive win everything about it was a massive win but that episode is coming on wednesday i my in my final thoughts i just want to talk about this game because this game was a loss they lost the battle and we don't know whether or not they're going to win the war but for now they lost the battle and as was sort of inevitable at some point or another the packers going young cost them their season it won them a lot of games it got them a playoff berth where they where they beat Chicago. It got them a massive win over the Cowboys. And it got them a single play going a different way away from beating the San Francisco 49ers in the divisional round, the first seed in the NFC, and being on the doorstep of going to the Super Bowl. But ultimately, the Packers going young cost them a chance to go to the Super Bowl. And I don't think that it, that is at all crazy to say. I don't think that if you told Matt or Brian that going into the season, they would have been surprised at all. I think if you told me that going into the season, I wouldn't have been surprised at all. I would have said, yeah, of course it did. By going young, you're essentially choosing not to go all in on this season or expect to win a Super Bowl. But I think I would have been a whole lot more depressed if you told me it wasn't going to cost them in Week 17 wasn't going to cost them in week 18, wasn't even going to cost them in the wildcard round. It was going to cost them in the in the divisional round. And I think the final play is the best indicator of how it cost them. Because first, before that last drive came up, before that last play came up, Anders Carlson had a missed field goal. It was a brutal miss by a young kicker, a kick that you cannot miss, a kick that cost the Packers this game in large part because instead of them going up a touchdown, they remained up only four points. Then, the defense collapsed. They were not good enough on the final drive. They needed multiple stops on third and long, and they couldn't get it. And after all of that, after the youth from Anders Carlson showing, and then the defense giving up a touchdown in the end, the defense that was supposed to carry them this season giving up a touchdown, the offense was put in a hole. Instead of the game being tied 24 to 24, they were down three points, and the offense had to go out there and win a game. And they've won games this year. But in, on this on this day in San Francisco, Matt LaFleur on that final play didn't give Jordan Love a check down. Every young player on the route, and they were all young players on the route because they're second and first year guys, they were all getting locked down. And ultimately, your young quarterback, Jordan Love, compounds the bad play by making an extremely poor decision, one that he likely wouldn't have made if the score was 24 to 24. But... Instead, the score was 24 to 21. He makes what he called, and most people call the, the mortal sin of quarterbacking, throwing late and across 
and across the middle, and he gets picked off to end the season. And I, I know there's a lot of positivity surrounding the season. There should be. Aaron Jones called it, quote, honestly, or he said he was asked, you know, what, what the team means to him. And he said, quote, it's honestly been the best team that I've been around. There is a ton of reason for optimism. But as we look at this game, this was an opportunity for the Green Bay Packers to get to the NFC Championship game. They were on the doorstep of being on the doorstep of making the Super Bowl. And as much as we want to talk about, and I talked about, house money, quote-unquote, and low-stress football and all of this, that all goes out the window when you're playing the game. Because this was an opportunity. This season, as crazy it is, as it is to say, this season was, a, was an opportunity to win a Super Bowl. And a good one at that. A good one. And these opportunities are never guaranteed. As much as I think that they'll be back, as much as I'm going to expect them to be back in this spot next year, because that is the bar they've set now, it's not guaranteed. And that is why this hurts so much. Because they were, again, a single play. Darnell Savage getting a pick six. Keyshawn Nixon not dropping an interception. Jordan Love not getting picked twice. They were one of those things going a different way away from winning this football game. But they didn't. And they lost the football game. And they, you get only so many chances, right? In a quarterback's NFL career, you get only so many chances. And I think Jordan Love is going to be the quarterback for the Green Bay Packers for the next 15 years. But he's only going to get, you know, 15, 20 chances, 10 chances, something like that, however many seasons he plays. And this is one of those. And they had an opportunity to capitalize on it, and they couldn't. And, I mean, when you, if you, you know, want to tally up all the the opportunities that they're going to have, you can you can mark this one off as not a failure on the entire season, but a failure to capitalize and win the Super Bowl. And that's just where we're at. I guess that's what I want to say about about why it sucks because you were there. You know you were there. This one is going to hurt. As Matt said after the game, this one's going to hurt him, referring to Jordan Love, but it's going to hurt everyone. It's going to hurt everyone. Matt said, you know, he hurts for everyone. He should hurt for everyone. It hurts. That being said, I think the best place for me to leave this is I had a lot of fun watching this team. I just, maybe the thing that sucks even more than them wasting this opportunity is I don't think they were, I wasn't, and I certainly am not ready for the season to end. Unfortunately, it's going to. I think it's going to end, in my mind, prematurely. And this is where we're at. That's what you get. All right. That's what I have for you. Um, I'll be back on Wednesday talking more positively about the season. Going to do a, a takeaways from the 2023 season episode. But that's what I have for you for now. Thank you so much for listening to Dedicated Packers. I will be back on Wednesday, as I said, takeaway from 2023 episode. But until then, as always, I try to try to think about the positives in the season. I think, honestly, as we... Go back to this season, you know, five years from now, this is going to be one of my favorite Packers season ever because what they did with the few opportunities that they had. But ultimately, this was an opportunity that they couldn't cash in on. And that is always, always going to hurt. Always. Especially when they make it this close. So, yeah. 
Um, I don't have too many words, too many more words of inspiration for you. I'm sure I I gave you plenty throughout this podcast. I'm just kidding. Um, Yeah, I'll be back on Wednesday. Until then, as always, go Pat, go! Go!